Relationships Like the podcast, helping you design the relationship you want. With couples therapy costing a pretty penny, Relationship Psych gives you access to couples therapy insights without spending a dime. Tune in for discussions on communication, managing conflict, recovering from infidelity, attachment, and more. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist and couples therapist. A few of my favorite things are my husband, grapes, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Simply by listening, you're gonna get tools to help you and your partner create a loving and harmonious relationship that can withstand the test of time. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek out a local couples therapist in your area. Welcome back to Relationships Like the Podcast. Today, I have two very special guests with us that I haven't seen in person. We're talking in maybe 10 years, but Mm -hmm. I used to work with them. And I saw them on Instagram, as where I find most of my amazing guests, and thought, oh my goodness, what a story they're telling. I need to get to know. I need them to talk about this on the show. So with me, I have Tanner Murtaugh and Ann Hampson. They are therapists who treat neuroplastic pain and mind-body concerns. Also, they're married. (laughs) In Tanner's 20s, he overcame chronic pain using psychological techniques after recognizing his pain was only occurring in his brain and learned neural pathways uh, due to neural pathways in his emotional state. Both of them have worked together in their relationship to cultivate healing. They've dedicated their lives to treating this kind of pain, mind-body concerns, and educating the public about common types of chronic pain. And I don't know about a lot of you out there, but pain's pretty common. And it seems like it's getting more and more common as I age, maybe I hear about it more. I don't know. Uh, but it's a great thing to talk about so that we can have some awareness around because it's not just something you have to suffer in silence about. So Anna and Tan, Tanner and Anne, so excited to have you with me today. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Amber. Thanks for having us here. Yeah, thanks for having us. My pleasure. So as I said, I saw you on the Instagram telling a bit of your story with pain. And since I last saw you, this was something I didn't uh, probably last saw you, maybe wasn't even going on yet or something I didn't know. So if you could share with me in the audience a little bit about what was going on with the pain and how that began to impact your relationship. Yeah, for sure. Tanner, I'll pass that to you to start then. Okay. So I, I was thinking, Amber, this was probably started like around the time we last saw each other, like in person. So this is wow. maybe, maybe like 10 years ago. It was, it was quite a while ago at this point when it started. Um, and so, yeah, basically how it occurred is, as you know, a bit about me, like I'm a pretty active guy. Like I like to work out. I like to be active. And at the time I was training with another friend that, you know, and we were training for like our first triathlon. So this oh, was wow. like our, yeah, this was our, and we were kind of challenging each other. So we were like in competition a bit to like prepare for this triathlon. And so at the time I was probably running like 50, 60 kilometers a week, like trying to prepare for this thing. And what happened is it was just, it was right around the time I had changed my majors in school and mine and Anne's relationship was getting more serious. And after I went for a run, like my knee was like just an agony. And so I think like a lot of people, I, I did the usual, I iced it, I rested it, I went to physio and chiropractors, 
And basically it just didn't get better. Mm. And so what happened is I was in chronic pain for about three and a half, four years. Okay. It's hard to put a timeline on it and it just spread. So then it was in both knees. Eventually then both shoulders started to hurt and kind of my worst symptoms were mainly like in my back and like hips, probably like the most debilitating, mm. but it just took off. And I think for a lot of people who've gone through chronic pain, it's, it can be a pretty frustrating and fear enticing journey that's taking place because I was going to doctors, uh, specialists, getting scans, doing all these different things, trying to get it figured out. And there was some debate about what was happening. Like a few doctors had told me like, this is likely fibromyalgia, what you're dealing with. And then other doctors told me other really scary things like your, your nervous system is just hyperactive right now. And this is going to be here forever. That is a scary thing to hear. Oh yeah. It was terrifying. And you know, at the time I was probably like mid twenties in that range. And so I I was basically being told like, you're going to be in chronic pain the rest of your life. That was the one thing everyone had, had often agreed upon when I went to specialists and you know, what had happened. And I think Anne can kind of attest to this, but like my mental health just took like a nosedive at the time. So I was like highly anxious almost like obsessed with trying to fix the pain. Like I was just, it was what I thought about probably 80, 90% of my day was trying to get this figured out. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'll kind of join in the conversation here because I remember that tenor. Like I remember seeing that mental health decline and I knew a bit about your pain, but I, at that point, I didn't really know what was going on there. Like I knew you were struggling with it and we're going, you know, to different appointments and hospital and stuff like that. But the main thing I would see was your mental health decline. And I remember as your partner, not, not really knowing what to do. And and that was a really scary time for me. It would be so scary to see your partner struggling, suffering, hearing about, you know, this chronic thing, wondering how that's like, how you can help feeling pretty probably powerless to help being in the role of a helper, not being able to help because it's your partner. It's a different relationship. And that, that does sound very scary to go through as a, as a duo. Yeah, for sure. It was. And I remember like, like you mentioned as a helper, I kind of like knew a lot in my mind of what I could do or should do. But when I was really, you know, in it with him, I just felt so lost and confused and it, it was, yeah, it was definitely scary. Well, it sounds like there's so much scary stuff going on for both of you, like being told you're in your mid twenties, this is chronic. You get that. Then you're trying to figure it out, going to different specialists. Like there's just a lot of fear for you both. Your mental health does that nosedive counter. So after you start to notice you're fixated this all the, on this all the time, and you're obsessed with the pain, what happens next? I think what happened and this is really common like when we're working with people with chronic pain or chronic symptoms is your life starts to shrink because as we know how we respond to fear or anxiety as human beings is we just start to avoid. And so we just 
do everything we can. And so that's what I did is I just like avoided more and more. I was coming up with all sorts of theories of like what was triggering the pain. I limited movement as much as possible. I limited positions. I went on diets. Like I did everything I could. And what happened is my life just got smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think at the worst of it, this was probably closer to the end. Like I basically wasn't moving at all. So I was like off work, wasn't moving. And I was a really active guy. Like that was something that I got a lot of fulfillment out of. And like, I think at that point, like I was just shut down. Like I was, you know, fair to say like depressed at this point. Mm -hmm. And it was just, you know, like I, I felt very disconnected from everything. And I think mm -hmm. that plays a role in our relationship because there was just a big disconnect between me and Anne. And at the time, like we were, we were getting ready to get married. So like we had our wedding booked and, you know, like the year prior, like I was basically not working, not moving, not doing anything. So it, it became really dark, like quite quickly as that kind of progressed, I would say. So what was that like for you, Anne, to see his life shrinking and to not really be moving and to see that kind of depression on him? What was your experience of that? Yeah, um, I, I think it was really hard. Like you mentioned the word powerless and, and that's really what I felt. Like I just felt so powerless um, and also very confused. Like I still didn't have a lot of insight into what was happening or what was happening. Obviously, yeah, like we're leading up to getting married. It's supposed to be the happiest time. And I remember like not knowing like kind of what my future was going to look like with Tanner um or if like anything was going to change and so that disconnect was very apparent and i remember thinking oh is this are we always going to be disconnected like this is this kind of mm -hmm. what you know the rest of our time is going to be together um and it was yeah it was very confusing for sure well, it sounds like the pain was not only stealing the joy from tanner's life mm -hmm. it was stealing the joy and the connection from that shared partnership that you'd spent years building yeah, it, it, like that's bang on. And I think like when we think of chronic pain or neuroplastic pain, it does like impact, you know, the family or the unit or the people around us too. Um, or if we're just struggling like with our mental health, same thing. And I think it's important to be aware of, aware of that. And when it comes to healing, everybody needs to do some healing. Mm -hmm. So you get to this place, is that kind of the rock bottom of the pain then where you were at kind of before your it's, wedding where you're not moving yeah like smaller, and smaller I would say that it's pretty close I think you know the one thing I really remember is I was just so like I said I was just so obsessed that there was something wrong with my body that was causing this and so that consumed everything it's all me and Anne talked about is like okay you know, this professional saying maybe there's something wrong with my, my spine or this professional saying my hips are misaligned and like it was just like just trying to frantically fix it but once i got to that depressed zone like it was just a giving up like it was just a shutting down where i was basically just trying to mitigate the pain and getting worse and worse because that all that's all it had done for basically three and a half years was just got worse and worse. So that that really is rock bottom. 
And so, you know, the shift here that happened and um, it's, it's kind of a, well, it's an interesting story of how it shifted. And I think for a lot of people that are more in this kind of mind body world, like it's a common one. Mm-hmm. And so what had happened is I was up like super late one night. It was probably like two in the morning because I couldn't sleep because my back would just ache all night. So I was up at like two in the morning and I came across this YouTube video basically claiming that, you know, these psychological approaches could heal a lot of chronic pain symptoms. And it's, you know, it's interesting because I was training to be a therapist at the time and there was such resistance to that. Like there was such a resistance to like, this is complete crap. Like I remember being like quite angry, um, even though, you know, in our training, like we know that, you know, emotions, when we feel an emotional danger can trigger real pain symptoms. But I think for a lot of people, this is the barrier to this mind body world is I took it as like, they were saying my pain was fake. Mm. which as we know now, all pain is very real. Um, there's a famous uh, mind-body doctor that does a lot of research on this named Dr. Schubiner, and he talks about how all pain is real, whether it's being triggered by a physical cause or by emotional cause, it makes no difference. It's felt the same, like the same areas of your brain are lighting up. Right. And so like, I think at first I was resistant to it, um, way back in the 70s and 80s there was a doctor named dr sarno who wrote lots of books that really a lot of the the therapeutic techniques are based on linked back to him and so eventually i bought his book i read it um i think i mauled it over for like a month or so you really got to think about these things you know when you feel that resistance <laughs> you're like maybe i'm intrigued <laughs> but i don't buy it yeah totally and it's it's you know it's humorous looking back of course not at the time but looking back because i had no other options like i was like stalling and nothing else was working and so this was probably i started using more of like a mind body approach probably like a month before me and am were starting to get we're going to get married it was somewhere around that range and you know a big part of this is for for people listening is understanding how this happens, right? And so a lot of times I always explain to people, Amber, um, and what we use a model called pain reprocessing therapy. Um, and we also use emotional awareness and expression therapy. And it's the understanding that pain's a communication thing that goes on between your body and your brain, right? So you put your hand on a hot stove what's gonna happen is nerve fibers in your hand are gonna shoot up messages to your brain, the damage is being done. Brain perceives it accurately, it produces pain, so you lift your hand. The problem that we understand more now with chronic pain is that there's a miscommunication. There's a miscommunication going on between your body and your brain. And so, you know, one of the big therapists in this world named Alan Gordon he talks about how there's just a misinterpretation that's happening. And so what's, what was happening in my body is safe signals were going up saying like, everything's completely fine. It's just my brain due to feeling an emotional danger. And that was escalated by the pain for a long period. It was triggering pain, even though there was safe signals coming up. 
So there was a miscommunication going on. And so, you know, for a lot of people, for myself, like when I learned this and I understood, okay, you know, emotional triggers are actually triggering my pain symptoms. As soon as I came to that conclusion, like things started to change like really rapidly for me. And I think at the time, and I don't know what you thought about this and because I was kind of going down this other road, but I was quite hopeful at the time that I had found kind of the answer to things. Yeah. I, I was pretty hopeful as well. And just like hopeful about about any excitement about like getting better in any way. So I don't know if at first I bought into it necessarily, but um, I was just happy to see that you thought something might be helpful. Um, And I remember that like right before we got um, right before the wedding that there is this sense of like, Oh, I'm trying something new. And I remember being like, thank, thank God. (laughs) So it sounds yeah. like there's such relief in that for you, yeah. whether or not you bought into it, that he was excited or he felt hope or he felt enthusiasm, gave you hope, excitement and enthusiasm because you're just on board to have your partner feeling better. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think as he started to kind of tell me more about this, I started, it started to make a bit of sense. Like, I, I don't know if in the beginning I thought, you know, his pain wasn't necessarily structural, but his mental health was very apparent that he was struggling. So it didn't take too much for me to realize this mind body connection was happening. What's interesting that you just explained and like, this is my, like my experience. I'm not saying this is going to be true for everyone by any stretch of the imagination. So a few years ago and still, but certainly during the pandemic, I started experiencing quite bad back pain Mm -hmm. and it got to the point where it was going on for a few years. And I sought out a specialist. I went to a specialist sports medicine doctor and she started to label it. Well, what you're now experiencing is chronic pain. And I was like, Oh crap. Like it's not the label I want, but yeah, I guess this does apply. And what she explained to me is she thought what my brain was doing was registering regular, normal muscle soreness and fatigue as pain. And then she, we kind of talked about that as an option. And then we talked about like different treatment approaches to deal with that. She just thought my brain was misfiring a little bit and misreading. And from that appointment forward, like she didn't describe it, what you did. She didn't, um, I actually didn't really need to take her treatment approaches after it. Like I still, I still do treat some of the pain because there is still some pain there, but, um, it was her simply explaining to me that maybe my brain was misfiring that I was like, oh, maybe this is normal muscle soreness. And I'm just so sensitive to being sore that any kind of sore makes me afraid the pain is coming back or it's going to be sore or it's going to be worse or it's kind of similar to before. So I was very sensitive to any pain. And then as soon as she told me that, it was a shift for me and it was a shift enough that I was able to start relabeling it in my head like, oh, this is likely regular muscle soreness because I've been active or because I was sitting at the computer And just that slight relabeling changed the trajectory of my recovery experience where I would say I'm not no longer in chronic pain. I do treatments on my back for things just to mitigate some of it. I'm probably engaging in some behaviors that are preventative just in case. Um, But it's interesting that you explained this um, and and that that is a part of the treatment because that I would say was a really pivotal moment Mm. in some of my journey. Yeah. And yeah, I think that that's exactly it is part of the treatment is the education yeah because 
otherwise, like I was left to think, you know, I, I had this image in my mind because walking was really painful for me. And if you ever want pain to be triggered by your brain when your back's fine, don't don't think this. But what I would do is when I would walk, I would almost imagine my poor spine like crunching, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just had this like such this strong belief. And so part of the treatment is actually coming to believe like, hey, my body's actually okay. My brain's just misinterpreting things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for some people that can take them a long way, even that alone. Um, yeah. Well, and I think like a lot of people tell us that, like they hear, like they start to believe that for themselves or they read certain books that describe that and that's all they need, right? Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So you mentioned a little bit, you called it somatic pain, neuroplastic pain, structural pain. Can you differentiate what these terms mean for our listeners? Yeah. So there's a lot of terms out there that basically mean the same thing uh it's kind of like i always explain like it's like every person that writes a new book on like neuroplastic pain names it something else so which is a little bit confusing but you know structural structural pain or you know physical pain that's being caused by a structural damage or disease it means that there's something actually going on in the body that's causing the brain to trigger pain so there is like damage that's taking place When we talk about somatic pain, mind-body concerns, neuroplastic pain, they're all the same thing. What's happening is it's occurring due to your brain and nervous system feeling emotional danger and basically your brain learning it better over time. Mm. So you develop neural pathways. It's kind of like any skill you develop, like when our children were first learning to walk, at first they were clumsy and eventually they were running. They learned it. It's just with pain, the brain does the same thing. And so for myself, like I had been in pain for, you know, three and a half ish years, my brain had learned to produce those sensations really well. And then the other part of it that we talk about is, you know, your emotional state and how it affects it. And so there's a number of areas to focus on here that I really focused on early on. Part of it is coming to understand that sometimes when we feel in emotional danger your brain can actually just trigger pain right so for myself my life was speeding up when my pain started and it wasn't anything major but i was getting more serious in school my neighbor's relationship was getting more serious you know i felt a lot of pressure that i don't was know taking those things place. sound serious to me you're married you're doing yeah, yeah. heavy duty school i don't know i don't know what's yeah. more serious than that i mean they're they're positive life events i suppose yeah. we could say but they're yeah pretty serious. exactly and that's what i mean is you know they they were things i wanted to do yeah. because i want to differentiate here that sometimes trauma can trigger neuroplastic pain where people have yeah. like a traumatic event take place but it can also be just life transitions or life changes that happen. And all that was taking place is my brain just started to feel more in emotional danger. And I've never been one that's really good at feeling my emotions. I've worked on it over time, but I've never been one that naturally just lets it flow. And then my brain just chose to click on that pain signal. But then the other thing that drives it forward is the way we emotionally respond to the pain which, you know, I, I talked about kind of in Bonnie Nan's story is if you respond to pain with fear or frustration or despair or annoyance or anger, it enters this feedback loop where basically you have pain 
Then you respond with fear, frustration, or despair. The brain feels more in danger. It produces more pain, more pain, more fear, more fear, more pain. And so people end up in this spiral sometimes for decades. And, you know, when we're working with people and what I needed to change was I needed to change the emotional response to my symptoms. I didn't need to change the actual symptoms. And kind of like you said, Amber, sometimes even just coming to understand that takes the fear out of it just a bit enough that it can start to die down. Yeah, enough. And then I can imagine there's other people where that's a lot of work to be maybe one willing, as we like, as you talked about the willingness yeah. to kind of see it that way. And then to really practice that, because I, I don't know, doing work on thought patterns and other things with people and things like that's, it's hard to change the way you respond to the triggers. Yeah. Well, and you're yeah. right. Like it's a, it, it's a big shift. Um, and I think Tanner ended up coming to it because he kind of hit that, you talk about that bottom, he just started desperately looking for something else. And so it made him a bit more open to it, but it can be really hard to shift your thinking in that way to view it as a mind body concern. Totally. So you get a little bit of hope. Um, you've been going through three and a half, four years of chronic pain, feeling more and more disconnected. You start leading up to a wedding and what are some of the things, what is healing together, becoming more connected as a couple? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think part of when I look back that me and Ann did a really good job of is like, we started to communicate more. And I think mm -hmm. even for myself, like I was being more open and partly because I was just feeling more hopeful but I was explaining, you know, what I was doing, you know, it, it was almost like this safety breeding safety cycle that was happening between the two of us where I was feeling safer in my body. We were feeling safer in our relationship. She was amplifying things that were going well and being hopeful. And it just kind of took off in that way. And I think a big thing on my end is I then all of a sudden started to approach life our relationship like doing things because that's it like we're you know for myself i never would have healed if i kept avoiding like my life right. had been so small and so there was this approaching that took place where i was approaching being in our relationship again i was approaching living life like working again uh even doing fun things together it sounds so simplistic, but that like hadn't occurred for probably a couple of years at that point. And so we were like going out of the house and doing things. And that was a big shift that I noticed mm -hmm. in our relationship that I think in and of itself, like really helped me ultimately kind of fully heal from chronic pain. Well, it sounds like as you were feeling better, as you're feeling safer, it was easier to approach some of the things you've been avoiding. And there was a positive feedback loop, like there was a negative feedback loop before in the other direction with other things, but this was a positive feedback loop. And what do you remember about that time? Yeah, I think um, I, I definitely remember feeling hopeful and the communication piece that Tanner talks about was big for me because for so long leading up to that, we, there was this big disconnection and, and once he started really communicating what was going on, kind of communicating how he was exploring healing and inviting me into that, I didn't feel as disconnected. And so it was easier for me, um, 
when he was struggling because I felt like I had more understanding um, and I was able to be a bit more patient or it's just because I felt more connected. It wasn't necessarily that he was rapidly shifting and getting better. He was like, he was, wasn't avoiding and he was moving out towards things. And, but I just felt like I had a bit more understanding because he was letting me in, which was helpful. Sounds so impactful and powerful. And I think one of the things I hear from a lot of my couples and I want myself is to be let in yeah. my partner's world for them to talk to me about things, big, small in between. And it's hard when you don't yeah. feel let in and you feel disconnected or neglected, or just, you lack that connection and understanding that probably was one of the things that brought you together in the first place. I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, and it is hard. And for that time, like I would just create so many stories and different narratives in my own mind because I, because I didn't know, because I, I just, I wasn't being let in. So once that was happening, a lot of things made more sense and I just felt closer to him. That sounds powerful to feel closer. So Tanner, what was it like to open up and share with her when you're not someone that's great at maybe sharing emotions or hadn't been doing so much of that? Yeah, I think... Yeah, this is something I really focused on that's talked about with like mind body healing is starting to, you know, feel emotions, approach them, but also like express them and experience them. And so, you know, we were approaching things, but we also had to hash out things in our relationship that were, you know, I just like hadn't talked about in three and a half years. So I think there was both sides that was really beneficial that took Mm -hmm. place. And there was a big shift because like at, at the worst of it, like I, what I would do is I would just like sit in front of the TV and like, it wasn't like I was even watching TV. It's just, I was like dissociative just there. And I didn't even, even know like if Ant was in the house. And so there was a, there was a real, actually quite a quick shift that all of a sudden we were joking around, we were being playful there was closeness, we were, you know, doing things together. And all of that, like made a huge change as as I kind of moved forward in my own healing with things. Right. So that kind of dissociative state you're in kind of lifted and you guys, you're you're re-engaged with life, you're re-engaged with her in a multitude of ways, not just sharing, expressing your feelings, but you're doing things again. Yeah, like there's a lot, a lot going on. You're joking, you're playful. There's a more of a lightness about you. Yeah, yeah, and that was hopeful for me to see because I was like, okay, something something is changing. So, Anne, what do you remember as being one of the harder moments going through this, and how do you think you overcame it together? Um, I think it, the hardest moment was, I guess, not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing if he was going to end up being out of chronic pain. Um, I think just that not knowing was the hardest moment. Um, and how we got through it was that, like a lot of communication, um, for Tanner, I think finding, finding that it is a mind body concern. I, I sometimes wonder if he hadn't stumbled across that YouTube video online and haven't started to think of it as a mind body concern where he would be and where we would be. And so, um, I think that was a huge turning point for him and us. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just sounds like the uncertainty for you Yeah, was such a big question mark. You yeah. obviously cared about him. You're planning to marry him. You've been together for years at that point from 
my recollection of yeah. memory. So I can imagine it's scary to think, gosh, where's this, where's this going? Yeah. What's going to happen here? And Tanner, can you identify any other hard points, what this was like for you two and how you two overcame it together? I think a big one was like the wedding and, you know, moving towards that because yeah, there was points where not that we were going to separate, but we didn't even know if it was possible. Like I couldn't, I couldn't stand for an hour. Like that, that was agony. And so I think moving towards the wedding and working through that, creating it, like we really decided like we were just going to like kind of take the pressure off of it and like do whatever we wanted. And, you know, if friends or family were angry about it, like we didn't care. Like it was just like, we're, we're going to do this the way that we want to. And that was really helpful. It took the pressure off and it was a big shift because by the time the wedding had happened, yeah, like I was still in pain, but it had reduced quite a bit in that month. And like, I was even able to like dance for periods actually quite a lot longer than, than I thought it wasn't right. good dancing, but there was dancing that happened. <laughs> and <laughs> so like, I think that was a pretty miraculous moment because, you know, if we had gone back a month and a half prior when I was still in the thick of it, like we didn't even know if it was going to be possible because I was having a hard time, like not lying down every half an hour at that point. Wow. So it sounds like there was a drastic, once you learned about the stuff started implement, it sounds like a drastic change and reduction in your symptoms. Yeah. And yeah. It, like, like you said, a miraculous moment to be dancing at your wedding when you didn't think that was going to be possible a month and a half prior. Yeah. Yeah. It was and a big I'm shift. And just your language, like you said, we did what we wanted. We took the pressure off. I'm getting a kind of a, what I'm imagining is then possibly feeling more safety emotionally around that which may have also helped I don't know I'm guessing like reduction in symptoms yeah. what do you think does that make yeah, sense for sure yeah yeah, yeah like when, we, when you look at like neuroplastic pain mind body issues there's common like personality traits that happen with it Ooh, uh, like what? we we call them personality traits I don't like that they are coping mechanisms they're just okay. ways that we learn to cope right so you have things like perfectionism people pleasing conscientiousness and anxiousness and I have all of these. These traits are like pretty intense. Uh, I think Anne can attest to that. Uh, mm. They're intense for me. And so part of the, the healing was reducing those traits. And so taking the pressure off, not being all perfectionistic about all of this or not being conscientious, so conscientious that I was trying to like please everyone around me. Like that was a huge part um, of well. the healing kind of process. And it's funny, it's not, it's funny now, but it wasn't at the time, but before we got married, really like leading up to it, when Tanner was still struggling, um, we, like we had decided not to have the wedding at one point, but it was because of all this pressure he had and all this fear and all this perfectionism. But for, for me at that point, I was like, oh my God, what's going on? Or our like relationship is ending. And right. so I had no idea that all of this was going on for him. And he just needed to really take that pressure off. That must have been scary and uncertain and anxiety provoking yes. to think yeah. that our wedding's not happening. What is happening? Like that's 
Well, and a hundred percent. And, and for me, that was the uncertainty and also the, the disconnect where we weren't communicating. So I was viewing it like, you know, we're ending and, and he was viewing it like, I'm just so overwhelmed. Right. So now how many years would you say you've been in recovery? Uh, how do you, how do you define this? Like how many years have you been better ish? Tanner? Yeah. So like I, for myself and I, I'm always clear with people, it always takes people different times yeah. to heal. It can be really quick. Like I've seen people make rapid change in a month, uh, even more so than me. And I've seen other people take a really long time, like months or, or a year or so. You know, it was probably like four months after I started doing the work that I was no longer, like it was no longer chronic. Okay. And then it maybe took another four months where I was like fully working out again because I had to like ease my way up because right. there was still there was still a high amount of fear like, hey, maybe this will come back. So in terms of like how long it's been, I always try to think, and how long have we been married? Um, I think it's like been like six years. Six years. So it's, yeah, it's around there where it's been like six years where there's been little flares now and then, usually around very stressful times. But typically, you know, that's pretty few and far between. And like, even now, like, if my back ever acts up, like, like usually I can get out of control in like a day and it's gone, right? So it's nothing what it used to be. Um, and there's there was a couple of years in there where I basically had no pain symptoms um, at all. So uh, yeah, it's, it's been about six years where like it's no longer chronic and barely there at all anymore. Wow, so six years. So what do you think has been coming out the other side of this? What has been a high point for each of you as a couple? It's hmm. a good question. <laughs> um, I think... I don't know. I think feeling like, not that I didn't feel committed, but knowing, okay, we are together and this is our life and this is our future, whether it's our business or our kids or whatever it is. I And I guess that would speak to me for like, I don't have that uncertainty anymore. I, I have more of that stability in our relationship or that trust in our relationship again, even if like, and we've gone through struggles in these six years. And even if they're there, I'm not it's never like it was before when, um, when he was struggling so much. Um, so I guess there, that connection always kind of remains, even if we're struggling. Well, that sounds nice. And like you said, there's, it's not without highs and lows, but there's a yeah. stability and a certainty yes. that it's like, you guys are going to figure it out or we're going to remain connected and that right. like highs and lows can happen, but the uncertainty in that same way is no longer there. And that must feel like a relief. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A definite, a definite relief. And, and part of it is knowing that like, um, like he has solutions for his like physical pain, if it comes on or his health. And so do I, and, and we know how to navigate this together now. Sounds nice. And Tanner, what do you think has been a high point coming up the other side? I think it's, What I always move towards is probably more like very playful moments we have like as a whole family. And sometimes they're not like these major big trips or anything that's like, you know, this extreme fun. It's it's all the little moments where I think for myself, 
like I'm able to move my body however I want to, which is like sometimes even now, even though it's been many years, I'm like, whoa, like this is quite miraculous that that's happening. And so for an example, um, the other day, this is maybe like a week ago. I don't know if Anne had a good time when we were doing it, but me and the kids had a good time (laughs) bugging her with it. We were all like pretending to be monkeys and like (laughs) making monkey noises around Anne and the Mm. kids are like having a blast doing it. But it's like those moments that I think are quite nostalgic looking back. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's just a stark difference compared to, you know, many years ago when the pain symptoms were happening. Yeah. Well, it it sounds like, cause just like your, your life got smaller and smaller and you weren't doing anything. And it makes sense. Then on the other side of that, to just be able to enjoy life, enjoy those pleasurable, fun, silly moments with your kiddos that that's like where the magic happens. You know, it's sometimes not the big life events. It's those little day-to-day things that you're like, yes, I'm so grateful for this experience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So if you both had one thing you wanted listeners to take away about pain, what would it be? I think it would be to have an open mind to the mind body approach to, to, you know, be curious about it, to question about it, um, be open to thinking, okay, is this something that resonates with me? Mm. Yeah. Love that. What about you, Tanner? Yeah, I think it really comes down to hope that, you know, if the, if the pain is more neuroplastic or a mind body issue, that full healing is possible that that's a that's a huge thing that drove me to try some of this stuff out and start using this approach is you know there's there's just so many people out there that have recovered using this and and we've worked with many people um that have had that result as well so i think it's just it's the hope it's the hope that you know that it is possible that healing is possible when the symptoms are neuroplastic in nature Well, that is a very hopeful message from you both to end off. So people want to follow you, find you, learn more about your practice, work with you. Where can they do that? Okay. So we have a website uh, called painpsychotherapy.ca. And yeah, there's lots of content on there and, and things also in terms of resources that people can check out. Uh, and we work, you know, at our clinic, we have other therapists, uh, working with us as well. Uh, but we're all using kind of like a mind body approach and we're registered. So the way we're registered, we're able to work with people in Ontario, BC and Alberta, um, just because we're registered in different areas. And then we also have our social media, which is just pain psychotherapy. So fat pain psychotherapy. And that's our Instagram. And then we have, I have a YouTube channel that I'll do like free content. And that's just my name. So Tanner Murtaugh. And then we also have our own podcast called The Mind Body Couple uh, that me and Ann do once a week, typically. Wow. Okay. So, and we'll put the links to all those things. You guys have a lot of resources and a lot of content going out. You're, you're busy. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But we think like, we want people to learn about this and like, like Tanner, like he stumbled across it and we're so grateful for that. So we want people to stumble across it as well. Totally. Well, now you know where to find them, follow them. You can check the show notes if you uh, didn't get all those links, but now we'll put them up for you guys. You can find them easily. So thank you so much. 
for being on the show today. It was such a pleasure to speak with you and hear about how you overcame this thing that can be debilitating when it's going on and that there's hope and recovery and what that can look like. I so appreciate you sharing your story and your journey as a couple. It's just, I'm so happy for the ending that the way that it's turning out. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having us on Amber. Yes. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.